0: Macworld Podcast, number 26, January 25th, 2006. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Macworld Podcast. I'm your host, Saru Farovar, and this is our first podcast after our crazy week of Macworld Expo. I hope that you've had a chance to listen to all of our Expo coverage uh, with our podcast, we even had a video in there. It's available if you haven't seen it yet at mackerel.com/expo. But we're moving on past uh, Expo upward and onward to the future and what is in store for the Mac and Apple and, and all of those things. So today on the show, we're going to be talking about the new transition to Intel. I have a discussion with our own lab director Jim Galbraith to look at, some of the numbers, some of the benchmarks that he found from the new iMac uh, Intel Core Duo, and how that stacks up with some of the existing Apple products. Um, yeah, we've got the numbers uh, on our website, and it seems like you know that that Apple's claims of two to three times faster were a little bit exaggerated. I mean, Jim will go into a little bit more detail of it, but you know, it seems that that this uh, first foray into the new Intel Max a little bit disappointing, um, and uh, so some of us are waiting to see. Uh, you know, as more things become universal, as more as the chips get better, and uh, as some of the newer computers come out, the, uh, you know, probably the replacement for the G5, whatever that's going to be, that might stack up a little better. So we're all waiting to see what will happen with that. I also wanted to alert your attention to the first looks that we have of the new iLife 06 products. And I wanted to just distinguish for some of our readers what the difference between a first look and a review is. Uh, A first look, as it implies in the name, is just that. It's a first look. It's, you know... Uh, spend half an hour, an hour, or two hours with the program and see what you think. It's not meant to be a comprehensive review. Um, to, it doesn't have a mouse rating, as you might notice. So all of the products that we have on our website now that have first looks, uh, I did the one for GarageBand. Um, that was the last podcast where we did the test podcast uh, using GarageBand. Also, we have a review of iWorks and all of the new updates to the various programs. Those First looks are available on our website, and you can check them out, but we will have complete full reviews with mouse ratings and all of that stuff coming up in future issues, so stay tuned for that, and I just wanted to make that clear to our audience that those there's a little bit of a difference. I mean, in some ways, the first looks are something of a review. You can think of it as like a review beta or a pre-review or pre-review. Is that even a word? I don't know, but uh, you know... Just think of it that way, but you know, for the final definitive word, particularly for products that are going to be updated, uh, we have you know a proper review process, and, and again, it has mouse ratings and, and so on. Also, not only to plug my own stuff, I have a, a review in this month's issue, March two thousand and six, that will be coming out in just a few weeks on Rosetta Stone. It's a product for learning languages and uh, neat things like that. But anyway, um, back to the topic at hand: uh, the new Intel iMacs. Uh, We're going to be talking with our lab director, Jim Galbraith, in a conversation that I had with him yesterday, and we're going to play that for you right now. All right, Jim, let's talk about the new Intel iMacs. You've just got them in the lab. They've been in in your hands and in various editors' hands for, I guess, about a week or so now. Um, What have you found? Do your numbers in the lab stack up to Apple's claims that they're two to three times faster than the previous model?
1: Well, uh, uh, there was a few different uh, claims the uh, the two tests that uh, Steve Jobs mentioned in the keynote were uh, what spec int and uh, some kind of floating point also uh, test, which is, you know, those are subsystem tests and uh, they're benchmarks and kind of ideally if you could run a processor or the floating point processor uh, as fast with no other bottlenecks, how fast would it be? And, okay, in those tests, it's uh, 2x. But... We try to do more real-world testing by uh, using applications that uh, everyone would, would use. Um, unfortunately, right now, since there's not a lot of universal binary apps, we're using, uh, we're kind of stuck using a lot of the um, iLife apps. Uh, though we have found a few other um, betas and early versions of uh, universal, b- universal binary applications, like uh, we have a Doom universal beta, uh, <clears throat> I squint. Uh, we've, had u- we've been using as well, but for the most part, uh, for our universal tests, it's been either stuff in the Finder or it's been uh, iLife apps. And in those, we're not seeing two X. Not really even close. So what are you seeing? Well, it depends on uh, it depends on the task. Um, there mm-hmm. were a couple tests that were very much faster on, say, the 2.1 gigahertz iMac G5 versus the 2 gigahertz iMac Core Duo. The um, the Core Duo is 1.84 times as fast as the G5 iMac, doing a an black and white effect in iMovie 6, um, and it was almost the same doing an aged effect in iMovie 6. Though, it depends on which task you do, because another effect and iMovie 6, the RAIN effect, there was no difference at all between the two systems.
0: Do you think that, I mean, are there certain processes that, that, do your tests take into account different processes that are more or less processor intensive? Is that how you account for the discrepancy, or how do you explain that?
1: Um, Well, iMovie 6 itself seemed a little buggy. Um, It's possible that all of the uh, actions have not been uh, made What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, uh, You know, not really worked out the bugs in iMovie 6 uh, to use the uh, Core Duo uh, to its full capacity. Uh, So there's a few things like that. Uh, I think everything needs to be kind of reworked, and uh, it's all pretty new. So um, a lot of things, when you're using the system, you're not going to see much of a difference, especially if you're coming from an older iMac and, say, upgrading to the Core Duo. But going from the Core Duo to the last iMac that they released, a lot of these tests show that, you know, there's not much difference. So then, I mean, would you say that,
0: you know, Apple's claims are a bit exaggerated, it, it, that's what it would seem your numbers would show up.
1: Uh, well, exa- to, to say that the full system as sitting on your desktop with you doing day-to-day, seeing 2X, if they're implying that, then I would say that's exaggerated, uh, very much so. But um, in, a few, uh, in a few isolated tasks, and I'm sure that these will, you know, as – as they get their hand, as more application developers and Apple themselves get uh, spend more time with this new platform, the Intel's, that uh, uh, we're going to get performance numbers that start matching those claims.
0: Now, did you also test? You said you were testing universal apps, mostly the iLife stuff and the Finder stuff. Did you also get a chance to test Rosetta application? There applications running in Rosetta, and compare those to, say, a native uh, PowerPC
1: you know, program? Yeah. yeah, we did quite a few of those tests. Um we reported a few of them. Uh for the most part, it takes about it cuts uh it cuts the speed in about half if it's running under Rosetta.
0: Wow, that seems that's pretty surprising. So then definitely uh that would be another exaggeration that, you know, that people can sort of wait up for the Rosetta. I mean it's it's probably you know, for some things that maybe aren't as intensive, like maybe office applications or, or things like that. But something Photoshop or or you know even iTunes. I mean, that's a relatively simple thing. But if it's going to take twice as long, I think, I know definitely I'll be hesitating to
1: before I upgrade to a to an Intel Mac. Well, in that example that I just gave. Apple has released the universal binary, which is the six hundred two numbers. So you're not waiting for that. But it was one, it was one application we could see running under Rosetta versus uh, universal, and that we could compare because the applications are so close. Um, uh, Photoshop, yeah, it's going to take you twice as long or so to run these, uh, to run this right now under Rosetta, and it might be a while before they update that. And as Steve Jobs said in his keynote, you know, for uh, Photoshop Pros. This is probably not the system yet. Until you get, you know, until Photoshop becomes universal, you know, this is probably not for you. But for most of your day-to-day tasks, stuff that's already ships with the iMac, like the I, the iLife suite and uh, you know Safari, those kinds of things, those have already been uh, set to work. They're already universal, and uh, so many, many of the common tasks you would do on a day-to-day, uh, day in day out. Is not, you're not going to see that big of a difference, and uh, I don't think you should, should hesitate that. If you're obviously a pro, the iMac wasn't what you were going to buy in the first place.
0: Now, the, obviously, the other computer that was released uh, during Expo was the MacBook Pro. Um, I haven't seen any come into the offices yet. Are you, sta- are you hiding them away from us? Uh,
1: no, no. Uh, we're waiting like everybody else, um, and we hope to uh, get, our, get them in and uh, get the numbers out to the readers as soon as possible. What's been
0: the most surprising thing um, in testing these? I mean, you've sort of put them through your paces. Do these stack up differently than than maybe some other systems that you've tested? Were I know that that uh, I mean, is it common for you know Apple's claims to be that much off than what the numbers show? I mean, surely they've done similar tests when they were designing them. So,
1: well, um, you know, there's some other results that they've posted as well, which aren't always two uh, X. And um, I think maybe they set the expectations a little high for, uh, you know, in some of their press materials. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, I think industry-wide, you know, people tend to uh, focus on the positive, as it were. And so, uh, you know, maybe uh, he had a page of uh, results that looked like this, and he, you know, pick, you pick and choose which ones really uh, show the best, uh, the best performance delta.
0: Great. Well, thanks so much, and uh, keep us posted when you get in those new MacBook Pros.
1: Well, i do. Thanks, Aris.
0: Well, that about wraps up our show. We hope you enjoyed it. Uh, be sure and, of course, check out all of our coverage available at Macworld.com. As I said, first looks for all the iLife products available at Macworld.com, so make sure and, and look at that. Also, I wanted to alert your attention to one more thing. Uh, and that is a special session of Macworld Live done by New York Times columnist David Pogue. He's also a frequent contributor to Macworld. He did a session at Macworld Expo, and uh, it's exclusively available on our website, macworld.com. It's available in two parts as an audio download. We're going to be having a video of that coming up in probably the next week or so, so make sure and come back for that if you want to get all the visual references that obviously don't come across in audio. Also, in our April 2006 issue, I will be writing a how-to-make-a-video podcast. So if you're interested in video podcasts, I will have a step-by-step article for how to do that. And, of course, with the addition and the upgrades to GarageBand and, of course, the new iWeb program, Apple's made it really easy to, uh, to do that. Signing off from San Francisco, this is Sarus Faravar for the Macworld Podcast.